Hey everyone, it's Dan coming at you at the top of the episode uh, to let you know that there is one week left on the Kickstarter that I'm running. It's a Kickstarter for P-Tape and Robert Muller prayer candles. This is something you might want to have, so search P-Tape on Kickstarter and become a backer today. Hey everybody, it's your friend Maureen. And I just want you to know that you're under no obligation. I don't want you to feel like you got to do this. But like I wrote a book. I've written a bunch of books, but I wrote a book called Truly Devious and it's out now. It's a mystery novel. People seem to like it. If you like mysteries, I'm looking at I just got a review from USA Today. Gave it four out of four stars. It said in the first line, remember the first time reading Harry Potter and knowing it was something special? That's the same sense of magic in the introduction of Teen Sherlock and Training, Stevie Bell and Maureen Johnson. That's me. Series opener. So it's about a girl who loves crime, true crime and mysteries. She goes to a school where a crime took place. She tries to solve it. Look, it's a mystery. I think if you like mysteries, you might like it. You don't have to read it. But if you want to, you can read it. That would be great. Truly devious by me. If you like this kind of thing, you should get it. Or not. You should. No, I damn. God damn it. <laughs> All right, ready? Yep. All right. Dan. 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 Hey, Are you ready for this week? Morning. Oh. I am ready for this week. Oh. I'm ready to record. You know why? You know why I'm ready for this week, Dan? Uh, <laughs> because because there's been a great deal of important world affecting news and events to there, discuss. There right? have been. There has been. That's true. Yeah. But there's been one particular bit of news this week, Dan, that I think is very important. We have to get to right away, uh, and that's sure. because the Mueller, the indictments in the Mueller investigation. Those are important. Absolutely. Let's those... get. Let's get right to it mm, those are important then but we there was another thing this week and it has to do with blue the uh what with blue oh, apron. Hold on. Wait. oh maureen wait a second uh you're breaking up a little bit I, what you can't hear me oh what what are you did you <laughs> oh, there's some static on the line there maureen. okay what? you actually yeah, can hear me dan i'm trying to say that this week blue apron oh hold, ow, god damn it i just Fuck, I just stubbed my toe. Ah, I do this. Ah, fuck, I record this standing up and there's a drain pipe right next to... Ow. Oh, man. Ow. See, Hold on. Just give me a second here. Fuck. Well, while you're, really you're gone, I, I can tell ow, everybody ow. that this week... Oh, wait. In... Hold on. Maureen, Maureen, we forgot... Uh, uh, wait, did we record the ads at the top of the episode we did, already? We did uh, the ads, Dan. Okay, I couldn't remember. Yes. And now... Our sponsor. Okay, hey everyone, welcome to Says Who. You're not going to let me do this, are you? The music's already playing. It's not playing, Dan. We're still talking. Well, that's because I lay it's, it in afterwards. It's probably going to just come in after this. Welcome to Says Who, the podcast that isn't a podcast. It's a coping strategy. I'm Maureen Johnson. And I am Dan Sinker. And fine, Maureen. There's a <laughs> legitimate reason to talk about Blue Apron. Your stars have aligned. Go. You mean our sponsor? They are not our sponsor. But go. Blue Apron? They're Blue not apron? our sponsor. They're not. It's food in a box. But it's they, food in a they box. managed to actually be in the news. God damn it. <laughs> it's your moment. How mad were you? I was pretty mad. <laughs> Blue Apron. It's in the news. So, okay. Okay. I feel like it's everything has been building to this. So, like, this week. <laughs> it was, like, this week or last week. I can't remember what week it is. That Trump had an idea. And he's like, you know what? I have not degraded the poor enough. I have not ripped enough resources away from people and made people who are struggling for food security 
feel more nervous and and really just uh, taking away any potential safety nets for basic nutrition, etc. I have an idea. What if I started food in a box where they literally mail you a potato, except they don't mail you a potato because he has this idea for what he's calling the harvest boxes, right? And it's like Blue Apron, but it's like shit Blue Apron because Blue Apron says they mail you fresh ingredients like a single green onion or a potato, but like it is like a real potato or it is a single real green onion or a, a clove of garlic. Like it's it's all real stuff. I'm, I will absolutely – Blue Apron is sending you real food. But the idea is that instead of giving people money on cards to go to local stores and buy the food they need based on their – like their family's need – they would get these pre-packed boxes full of shit. Instead of fresh food, instead of fresh fruits and vegetables and things, you would get powdered milk, canned fruit, canned vegetables. So big processing companies would get a lot of money. So you'd, you'd be getting this processed food uh, at, that you may not even need or want. Like there's no figuring out, like, for example... You couldn't include peanut butter and things because peanut butter allergies are among the most fatal or lactose intolerance or the many, 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 many food allergies that people have. Though, you know that like the this brain trust would somehow end up shipping the all peanut and lactose box to oh, everyone. Sure. Right. Like just like just as a pure fuck you to everyone. It's like, oh, yeah, you got uh, kidney beans packed in peanut butter. You know, like just. And also, uh, I mean, there's so many things wrong with it. I mean, for example, no one quite knows how to handle a giant distribution of all of these boxes. It's that one of the people from Blue Apron was like, yeah, we do a million boxes. They're talking like, <laughs> how are they going to do 40 million boxes or like it's such a big, giant bureaucratic waste. They have no plan. Well, and it's. They have no plan. I mean, it's clear there's been some reporting on it where everyone is like, literally nobody has asked for this. Nobody thinks it's a good idea except for fucking Sonny Perdue, who's now the head of the USDA, who was like, you know, it'd be cool blue apron for poor people. Yeah, it's an idea. It's 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 a it's a dumb rich person's idea for how to do something for people that have food insecurity really badly and it it strips you know and it also does one of those vital things like strip away the humanity of food purchasing yeah yeah so I mean, it, it reminded me some time ago now on this episode we actually talked about government cheese and it's like there's also something really retrogressive about this you know oh, yeah like moving from the snap program which is actually been quite effective and brings people into you know into grocery stores that everyone goes to and all of this stuff and like and moves it back to here's your ration like here are your government rations like what the fuck is that yeah no it's it's like it's like stupid socialism yeah yeah it's poorly done it is it also there's as someone that is like exists in sort of the tech-ish world there is also that there's a compulsion among government to constantly be like we will be like a startup and then there's the equal and other side of that fence where like uber every six months tries to reinvent the bus you know it's like and this is just like the exact combination of fucking stupid on both sides like it's the juicero of government programs yeah oh it's maddening it is maddening. I saw, when I was on book tour a couple of weeks ago, I was in Seattle where many, many fascinating things are. And I was walking around the neighborhood and I saw um, a free grocery store that was literally like it was set up like a normal grocery store, but everything was for free. And I don't I didn't go in because I was like, I don't think I can just wander into this. There was like a line of people waiting to go in. But I'm assuming you need some sort of card or whatever. And there's probably like a like a way of figuring out how much stuff you can take. But it was so humane. Yeah. Like 
just a, a food store bank where it was like, this is just food. It's just for people to take. And it was like full, I mean, chock full of a giant produce section and things like that. Like it wasn't just like you're not just getting shitty pre-processed cereals that are high in sugar and, you know, just not stuff that your body necessarily needs. Um, and there are so many good programs out there right now that do things like food salvage, like um, City Harvest here in New York goes around and at the end of every single green market, all the unused food is collected up and redistributed. And um, restaurants, all the cooked food that is like safely, you know, they have methods of storing and safely and get the fresh food to people. All methods of getting fresh food to people who need it are good. And and this is just a true nightmare scenario. But it was Blue Apron in the news. And you ha- and you can't you can't take it away from me, Dan. I really did want to. As much as you wish it didn't happen, it did. It did. And it was like I was did you were you a little creeped out that you thought that maybe I was working on a frequency that no one else could hear and that I had predicted this, maybe? Maybe. It's been a week for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the last couple of weeks, I feel like me and you have conjured a lot of things to into reality. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely. Where it was like, wait, suddenly we're talking about government blue apron? Like, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but also, as I mentioned at the top of the, the thing, I've got these prayer candles. One is to make the P-tape real. And the other is to protect Robert Mueller. And in the last two weeks, I've been doing some live stream burns of the candles. And every day after, Maureen, something happens. This is this has been legitimately true. And it's a little creepy. It is a little um, creepy. So I have been a big supporter of, of this um, program of Dan's. And I do believe absolutely, you guys, get yourself a candle. First of all, it's going to look dope as hell. It's going to give money to a good cause. And it, I think it's just going to make you feel better to like light that candle and be like, come on, come on. And I'm going to take mine and I've already decided I'm taking, cause I'm getting a couple and I'm going to take them to Union Square here in New York and set up a little, um, vig- little vigil area. Oh, love it. So if you're in, your, you're in New York, you'll be able to come over and like hang out at the P-tape Robert Mueller um, candle area. Yeah. But but it's creeping me out, Maureen, because I, I did a live stream and almost immediately the next day, the New York Times drops a story about uh, U.S. spies trying to purchase uh, what had it was originally they were just trying to purchase some stolen NSA documents. Uh, but then the Russian uh, person they were talking to was like, I also have compromising material about Donald Trump. <laughs> and then they're like, and what is that? And he's like, I can show you 15 seconds of a videotape. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. And then I got a million tweets that were like, Dan, magic is real. Yeah. And then I burned the tape, the, the candles. And the next day, Robert Mueller suddenly indicts 13 Russians for meddling in the fucking election. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I'm scared of them now. You guys get a candle. Just seems, please get just a seems candle. Like me and you are tapping into something. You know, Dan, I like to think it's Disney magic. Ah, uh, it is Disney magic. I like to think that like Tinkerbell came over because we were we we got so riled up that one night Tinkerbell came and she came and flew over both of our beds and sprinkled dust and said. Uh-oh. You're going to be tapped into the web now. And uh, both of us, I got a vision of Blue Apron. You got a vision of indictments. Yeah, it happened. The Mueller indictments sure did give Donald Trump a fun weekend. He got a case of the whoopsies in his pantsies. I think he just killed me. <laughs> I broke down. Oh, oh boy, that was not a, that's not what I was expecting at all. No, well, it's, you know, if you get if you get a bunch of indictment news, you got to have it a shaky bum bums. <laughs> yeah. You know? man, he uh, he 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 uh, in 
some sort of attempt at making him seem marginally human. He went to Mar-a-Lago this weekend, but he did not golf for the first two of the three days in order to show his respects for the folks that, uh, for the kids that were killed at the Parkland High School shooting. Uh, he did, however, intent, he attend a Studio 54 themed disco yeah. party. Two things about that, Dan. I want nothing more than to go to a Studio 54 themed disco party, just not at Mar-a-Lago with yeah. him. First of all, so I'm insulted. Second of all, is second of all. I mean, what? Yeah. I mean, but come on. Golf is a pretty big sacrifice, Maureen. I mean, you can't say he did not. He is not sacrificed for his country now. He went to the hospital, gave a big thumbs up photo, told the doctors I'd be bragging I'd saved all these people, and then like gave a thumbs up and fucked off to a disco party, Dan. Yeah, if you look at the if you look at the pool report, um, I believe it was about 11 minutes total at the hospital. Which, frankly, I was thankful for the people at the hospital because they don't want that. That's the last thing they need. It is the last thing they need. And and over and over and over again in this week, which is in addition to things like the Mueller stuff and all of I mean, it's been a not a, the world's greatest week by any means. Um, and one of the things that I have had a hard time with, Maureen, is that... You know, over and over and over again, you hear people being like, "Okay, good. The less he says, the better. You know, the less he shows up, the better. And it's like there's a part of that that's true. Right. Like, of course, because he's going to fuck it up. Right. He's going to see something horrible at some point. We all know that's coming. And so the longer we can hold off on that, the better. But at the same time, like. Being able to demonstrate how to mourn. Being able to demonstrate how to conduct yourself in an unthinkable situation really is one of the jobs of the president of the United States. You know, like, I mean, I thought back to after the, after the, the African-American church was shot up uh, and Obama went down and literally sang amazing grace in front of everyone on live TV. Like, that was an unbelievable moment of showing grief and all of that. Or there have been a lot of people talk about Obama's um, actions after um, Sandy Hook and how he met with every grieving parent. And like, and I even thought about like, I am not a George W. Bush fan. But I was like about the, to say this. Like, the, I am the, not a George W. Yeah. Bush fan, but he. The days after 9 11, he showed people. Grief. Like, that's important. God damn it. That's fucking important. Ah. Well, he's not. Trump isn't. He's not all there. He doesn't have all the the all the human parts right. are not correctly installed. And he contains no empathy at all. And no. like being a leader does require some level of empathy, or at least it should. God damn it. But, you know, shortly after it was, what was it Sunday morning by Sunday morning that he was basically blaming the victims? I mean, yeah. it's not. Well, and that hasn't even kicked in fully yet. Like he has said, like, people should have reported this guy. But, you know, we are just days away from him fully taking on these teens because the teens have been fucking amazing. Oh, yes. And that has been remarkable. Yeah. And honestly, so my job is that I write well, one of my jobs, Dan. I am a many things. I am a, I do this. I write other things. I, I advertise Blue Apron. You know, I have many jobs. And a, that one isn't your job. It's, it's, job. it's, it's not. It's, it's one of my jobs. But I write books for young adults. And so for the last, let's see, what year is it? It's 2018. What year is it? 6,019 yes. now? Yes, um, 6,019. So I have been publishing books for young adults since 2003. So for 15 years, I've been dealing with young adult audiences. And I know this about them is that they are engaged um, passionately. Like I started working with kids, with teens in 2008 in terms of um, 
action and elections and political action. And I did it again in 2012. And this year I'm releasing an anthology for kids about how to get involved in politics. It's not a secret to me that they are out there and willing to do the work. And seeing what uh, Emma Gonzalez, uh, she blows me away. I mean, she blows me away when she gets up there. I mean, her, she cut right yep. through. And that's really what it is. You know, like the, it's the same old arguments are being trotted out. You know, it, we wouldn't be safe without guns or whatever. But it's it's ringing. I always, I always thought I was like, oh, that's insane bullshit. But it's ringing. It's people are starting to see it yeah. for the, like, it, it sounds so hollow. It's always sounded hollow, but now it's sounding, it's looking very ridiculous. Yeah. More so. More so. I'm just going to keep saying, but more so. Because the kids are like, no, you're literally murdering us. They have grown up. Columbine was 1999? Yeah. I think that's right. So, you know, at the very least, we're talking about 19 years of having major school shootings. Uh, to the point where they're such a common occurrence. And I don't know if I have mentioned this on this podcast about that my, when I was a teenager, my father took me to Austin. Does this sound familiar? No. When I was a teenager, my father lived in Texas. And one day he's like, we're all getting in the car. And we drove to Austin. And I was like, I don't know why we're going to Austin, but whatever. I'm listening to my music in the backseat. And then we get there and we pull up in the middle of the city and my dad gets out and we're, I'm like, why are we getting out and listening to my music? And we're walking around. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And we stop and we look at this tower. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, nobody told me why. There's no internet, by the way. So I don't know what the hell's going on. And my mom says, um, a long time ago, like before you were born, someone your father knew climbed that tower and started shooting people. Whoa. And I was like, say what? And my father knew um, uh, Charles Whitman. Who was was one of the first mass shooters in United States history. He's known as the Texas Tower Murderer Massacre. And he climbed to the top of the Texas Tower in the University of, uh, in Austin. And began shooting at the crowd below. And I think, I I forget how many people were shot. I feel like it was 30, but maybe that's wrong. Um, And my father was in the Marine Corps with him. They were the two sharpshooters on their unit. Whoa. So my father was the other sharpshooter. Holy shit. Yeah, for real. And um, so my father knew him. So if this happened now, my father would be plastered all over CNN. You know, they, they'd be like, you knew him. You knew exactly how we trained to shoot. You were right yeah. next to him for several years. And my dad would be like, yep. And my dad didn't like him. Um, He didn't like him. He apparently... What I found out about him is that he ran a poker ring uh, and he had an accident with a Jeep and he his Jeep flipped over and uh, among other things, because these things are very often tied to domestic always. violence. He killed his wife before. Yeah, because there's always this tie in. So where was I going with this, Dan, as I'm I was sort of talking about my teenage teenage experience? Like, so that that's that was 66, I think. 66 or 67 that that happened. This generation has has grown up always being trained yep. for shooters. And my mother was a school nurse for 30 plus years and was doing more and more drills near the end. She's like, yeah, you know, it was regular. We They would come in and they would say, it's not if, it's when. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah. Many times I've had to do the drill where I've been like, literally under the desk, shielding a student with my body. I'm like, I am really glad you're retired. Like, I also am glad that someone's shielding students, but I also don't want my mom to get shot. So, um, and just the stress, I'd never thought about it in this way of like hearing from kids what it's like to go through these constant drills, or sometimes the drills are called by accident or by surprise, or someone pulls the, like the constant thought that at any point, like during your school day, someone- as a as a way of living as a parent like i will never forget the day that my son came back from kindergarten and it was like how was your day and he was like it was fine we did a game where we all had to hide away from the door 
And it was like, what? And it was like, oh, yeah, they called it a code white. It was like, mm. okay, fuck. And yeah, I mean, that's just like he told us when they would happen for the first year. And now it's a normal, like, it's a tornado drill, you know, or a fire drill. It's oof. I set up I set up a thing on Twitter where I just started an open thread and um, said, you know, just this is for teens. Please don't contribute if you're not a teen. And can you just tell me what your thoughts are on this subject? Gun control, school shootings, like, and those kids were angry. Those kids are done. They're yeah. fucking done. They're done. And some of them say things like, like one of them clearly comes from an abusive household where they're like, I really hope that my dad doesn't shoot my mom. Or I, we don't have places to hide, so they line us up against the wall and it feels like we're being lined up for a firing squad. Uh, you know, and it's on and on. Yeah. Like dozens of these on and on and on and on and on. And they're, they have soup. They have absolute common sense. They're like, why would you give a gun to somebody like this? Like, why would. Yeah. So, yeah, the kids are done and there's going to be um, the March for Our Lives, um, a student walkout. And uh, I really encourage you, if you haven't heard about the March for Our Lives, um that uh, I'm gonna I'm pulling up the National School Walkout, which is on March 14th. Um, kids are going to be uh, there's going to be a 17 minute uh, stop and walk out at 10 a.m. Uh, the March for Our Lives is I'm sorry I'm seeing different things. The March for Our uh, the National School Walkout I'm seeing somewhere else is listed as April 20th, and the March for Our Lives is is the 24th of March. It has not been very long, and things are mm -hmm. mobilizing very fast. So just watch the watch the hashtag March for Our Lives, and uh, I think I think March twenty first twenty excuse me twenty fourth is the one that is, um, probably the most coalesced. Yeah. Um, and kids like right now today are staging a die in in front of the White House. Yeah. It's golfing, but they're, you know, they're um they're doing it. Kids, man, kids are good. Because they don't want to die. Like, it's really not hard. They're like, it's, you're giving guns. Like, the people that talk about gun rights all the time, I mean, I, okay, some of you may be gun owners, listen to this. Listen to yourselves. Like, you don't need, no, you don't. You absolutely do not need that fucking AR-15. You don't need it. You don't need any of the shit. You don't. It's true. It is true. Any of your bullshit reasons, they don't hold up to the slightest bit of scrutiny. And this idea of arming other everybody else ends up in a firefight that kills so the many whole, more people. Yeah. The whole like, oh, well, we just need to arm teachers is literally the most fucked up piece of non-logic I have ever heard in my life. Yeah, and they think it's logical. They always address it. I've had an amazing... So one of the many people uh, who like it's almost all been kids and then like the dumb adults sneak in. And this one guy who's been trying to explain it to me, he's like, it's just simple. It's just logic. I'm like, this guy is a gem. Like he's very typical of his type. But he has um, he has a, a, a pinned tweet at the top of oh his of his uh, of his uh, Twitter page. And I just looked at it and it's so beautiful, Dan, that I cannot get over it. His pinned tweet. And I have been quoting it now for days i'm a man i manspread because i got a pair no oh. i mansplain because i want to help oh, okay i open doors as a courtesy not because i think you can't no oh, that's I, nice i stand so you can sit to honor you no oh. i keep silent when you ridicule me in public though i respect you too much to ever do that to you oh wow that's really so, thoughtful so what a literally nice thing to put there for everyone what he, uh, as somebody pointed out, what this says is, I respect you, but first, these nuts. Yeah, you know, he's got a pair. First oh. line is about his balls, then. And I think that tells you what you need to know. So we're tired of your bullshit, and for sure the kids are. And the kids, and they're not 17, 18, they're coming for you. They're coming for you, GOP. They're going to rip your nuts off. <laughs>
These yeah. nuts. Hashtag ripped nuts. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, you're like, I'm feeling, don't be lost. Look up March for Our Lives. Go find the GOP and metaphorically rip their nuts off. Yeah. Like November yeah. is coming. They're all coming. It's time. It's time to denut them. It's time for a good denutting. Oh. Blue Apron. These nuts. Don't pretend like you didn't hear that. I uh, what? It broke up again. I'm sorry. The connection is so iffy. Huh. Maureen, just like that dude's pinned tweet tells you pretty much everything you need to know about that dude. Uh, so does the Twitter comings and goings of the Trump family and Donald Trump. And uh, we have talked at length about their social media presence before, but we wanted to get a true expert in to help us flesh out the picture of Trump and his kids via their social presence. So we invited Ashley Feinberg, who is a senior reporter at the HuffPost. Do you call it the Huff? They changed the name. HuffPo. HuffPost. Huffpo. Okay. Senior reporter at HuffPost. Huffpo. Uh, previously, it, she... It's sort of like Blue Apron, HuffPost. It's nothing like Blue Apron, goddammit. Previously, she was at Gizmodo, and before that, she was at Gawker, where she did a tour de force of reporting about Trump's hair. Uh, Ashley has a talent for uncovering stuff on social media. She found James Comey's hidden Twitter account before anyone else. Unfortunately, she has found Ivanka Trump's sex playlists on Spotify. And uh, on Instagram, she was the person that discovered that Sean Spicer thought that the book A Christmas Carol was, in fact... A Book of Christmas Carols. Um, After an exhausting couple of weeks of real hard news and real awful social media posts, we wanted to talk to Ashley to see how she does it and how she's holding up and what she's learned about these idiots. You take an impressively close look at all of these goons on social media. You know, um, all of us obviously can't avoid Trump's tweets, but you look at those, you keep an eye on the kids, you look at Mar-a-Lago on Instagram, you even did things like find James Comey on Twitter before anyone knew James Comey was on Twitter. And with that close of a look into the storm, like, how do you hold it together? Um, I don't think I have for over a year or so, I would say. I mean, the fact that I do look at them this closely, I think, is a sign that I have not held it together whatsoever. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it is become to the point where I have to leave my phone at home if I want to do anything in like a sane way just because I have so many notifications and alerts set up for all these idiots and they're all constantly tweeting and doing everything that it's my life is a nightmare that I have created but uh I mean it's also just it's fascinating it's hard to look away once you start because for whatever reason, they have not forbidden people, for instance, from uploading photos to Mar-a-Lago or from taking photos of the president while he's at Mar-a-Lago, which I thought for sure they would have done within like a few weeks, but they're still going on that. So it's just hard to stop. I mean, I imagine you doing this job, sitting there now drinking a full mug of warm queso (laughs) and just like, you know, just sitting in a tub full of Fritos. Mm -hmm. And just smiling and but smiling in a in a way like a, a kind of rigorous smile, you know, like that's but that's an inspirational image to me too. So that's <laughs> I'm glad I could do that for you. Um yeah. yeah, I mean I've lost my ability to have normal conversations with people, I think, because I am fascinated by, for instance, like what Don Jr. has been faving to a degree that most mm. people aren't. And uh, yeah, it's it's hard to like gauge what is actually interesting to the public anymore versus what I find interesting. I mean, I'm curious. We find it. We like <laughs> it. That's good. With that level, like mm-hmm. Don Jr.'s faves alone, 
right? Like, yeah, oh, oh yeah. What, what have you learned about these people, and what do you wish you could unlearn about these people? <laughs> I mean, uh, I wish I had never known they existed, but. Uh, I mean, Don Jr., it's interesting because whenever he uh, either, like, tweets something particularly inflammatory or he goes on TV and uh, embarrasses himself, he'll stop tweeting for maybe a week. And it seems like it's almost certainly at the behest of one of his lawyers or his dad yelled at him or something because he'll be sitting there faving all these uh, insane, like, Infowars tweets and Charlie Kirk uh, tweeting out pictures of himself, and uh, he he never stops. He's on social media constantly, and uh, yeah, it's just it's the degree to which it seems like people are trying to rein him in, and he refuses to stop is very interesting to me. Who is the freakiest Trump kid? Probably. Uh, I mean, Don Jr. is my favorite just because he is the dumbest human being i've ever <laughs> encountered like it's mm -hmm. uh like the, the biggest i think the biggest crime snl has committed is making the country at large believe that er eric trump is the dumb one which is i mean they're they're both idiots i don't i don't want to try to imply that he's intelligent to any degree but don jr is on a completely different level he uh and the other th the, the thing about him is he is the dumbest one and he's also the most confident i think which kind of creates this beautiful kind of uh disaster that's just like constantly waiting to explode and it and i, I get the sense that his siblings also don't like him because uh they'll upload like photos of themselves at dinners and uh having these like family occasions and don jr is nowhere to be seen which, uh, to one degree, it might be something about the fact that, like, he's clearly involved in uh, this Russia stuff in a way that they might not be, or at least has implicated himself in a way. But also, I think they just also find him obnoxious. As, just out of curiosity, aside from the fact that Don Jr. was like, emails about Hillary, like, stuff about Hillary Clinton, come on up. No one will ever notice this email chain, and you can't, you can't get the jump on me if I post it myself. <laughs> Aside from that, what are some of the highlights of Don Jr.'s stupidity in, in your uh -huh. opinion? Um, well, there was that time that uh, he likes to take photos of his children. He has one million small children. And uh, he'll on Halloween, I remember, he uploaded a picture of his daughter uh, holding, it was either like an empty candy bag or he made her make a sad face or something. And he tweeted it's Eric, probably, probably easy. Yeah. Yeah. And he like Instagram something like uh, teaching her or I, I took all of her candy. She walked out her door for her to teach her about socialism or something. And it, it which is it, nothing about it makes sense. He's like the, the things he he tweets a lot of stuff that are in the cadence of uh, ostensible owns, but they're completely nonsensical and often completely counterintuitive and it's it's the most frustrating thing about him is that he will never understand how stupid he is because he does not have the capacity to understand that i mean one of the things that's interesting to me that you i'm pretty sure it's it's your twitter feed has pointed out is how many seeming mes messages of omission or commission like this whole family is sending to each other you know like by not wishing people happy birthday but then yes. wishing another one happy birthday or by including a photo where one person is clearly sort of cropped mm -hmm. out or like what the fuck is this family it's it's what i mean it's the whole wildly passive aggressive which is odd because I mean, if the rumors are correct, they're also actively aggressive to each other, or at least uh, Trump is. But uh, yeah, I mean, it comes out the most with Don Jr. Like, uh, I was actually, I got distracted with some other project, but for a while I was been working on a uh, exhaustive analysis of uh, Trump's, the times that he has either retweeted or mentioned each of his children on Twitter and uh god, bless. god it, bless you it's it's i've only made it through like the first year and it's taken hours but it's 
Um, the the fact that like uh, Ivanka and Eric are mostly in line, but like so if he retweeted uh, Eric and Ivanka maybe like thirty times each last year, Don Jr. was at like three. And Ooh. yeah, and uh, he he wished uh, Eric happy birthday. He wished Ivanka happy birthday. No Don Jr. Eric got a GOP uh, fundraising email for his birthday. Actually, uh, Don Jr. got nothing again. Yeah, it's it's uh, wild. Which and 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 my favorite thing about it is that I know it kills him inside because I truly believe in my heart that his constant tweeting at his dad when it doesn't make any sense to do so is him just like praying for a retweet which uh never comes and it's it's oh. the, it's the one good thing in this world right now praying for a retweet that never comes the yeah. don Jr. story <laughs> i mean day. we all yeah ivanka's hot yeah and eric can talk to snakes <laughs> and um uh-huh. tiffany is in hiding yes um and we don't talk about baron because he's a child uh-huh. so yeah it really does leave wow Wow, you just don't think about Don Jr. Except exactly. for the fact that, that, that he cell phones a lot. Yeah, he does. And that is, uh, <laughs> God, it's so great. It, the the day he blocked me was one of the worst days of the past yeah. few years. But oh, no. I'm working on it. Oh, my God. So <laughs> does anything still surprise you? Um, God. Some, I mean, I'm trying to think. Uh Sometimes I'll be surprised. It's sort of uh, I, I I was surprised when Trump uh, gave the implication that the uh, kids who went to uh, Parkland School were in some way responsible for the shooter. That actually took me by surprise. I was surprised that I could actually feel sort of shocked by anything he said. But like that's the first instance I can remember where like something they did really. Uh, caused me to like stop and be like whoa yeah i i mean sort of unrelated but i was just reading through one of your pieces which was about you trying to read pieces that had been written by various media outlets about mm-hmm. profiles of people in trump country and you got through 36 of them before your soul broke yeah uh-huh. and then you sort of summarized the findings in each one mm-hmm. and it was like i saw you dying a little <laughs> bit um yeah i mean i remember when i when i pitched that uh i was like yeah well it will will be an exhaustive list of every uh safari through trump country that uh outlets took this year and i thought that that would be a completable task and it apparently was not because they are infinite as far as i can understand it's wild i mean so this is a thing that i kind of marvel at every now and then and you've got to marvel at a lot which Mm -hmm. is just like what whether it's the trump country safaris or whether it's the way that traditional Mm -hmm. coverage of trump or his family or the, the other kind of goon squads around him are like how do we keep reverting back to the meme you know, like, why is it all so normal when it's none of it is normal? Right. I mean, I think you when why is what so normal? Just the coverage of it. You know, like, why? Right. Why do we keep coming back to like, well, let's understand a little bit more about what right, tells right. these people back this way? You know, it's like we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that I mean, part of it, I think, is just like media outlets trying to do some sort of like penance and flagellate themselves for the fact that they missed Trump coming up somehow in the election. And I think part of it is this uh, false idea the media has that, I mean, and it's been this way for a long time, this isn't entirely new, that the country is just more conservative than it actually is. And I think Trump's win was sort of felt like a validation for that idea. And so now they're like, well, in the, in the Times Opinion section is a great example of this. Is It's like, now we have to... Uh, we have to reach these uh, many conservative readers that put this uh, insane person in office and how do we understand them and how do we figure out like where we're going when the answer is actually much simpler and it's been revealed and every single one of these is that these for like the vast majority of these people are 
uh, excited and riveted by his racism. And I mean, it's the media will never uh, admit to that, though. Well, that's that's gosh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, it's 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 sinking into your I mean, for example, today I was thinking about how I well know that nothing is going to go back to the way it is before. Mm-hmm. But the truth of that, I feel like is slowly sinking into all of my tissues and bones like, no, no, everything is different now. Mm-hmm. Or or the truth has been burned away by acid, you know, yeah. acid you know, it's all we can see now. Right. Yeah. I mean, the last thing about Trump is that I feel like all these things were there before. They were just a lot more polite and a lot more palatable. And uh, I mean, if Trump has sort of like washed away this facade the Republican Party was trying to present of itself as a sort of a, a respectable and uh, moral alternative that is, yeah, I mean, it's laid bare now. Yeah, it's like we poured a vat of corrosive acid over a big chunk of stuff to see what the shape of America was. And in this case, it was like a giant dick. Yeah. Beautiful. And and people like what they saw. They're like, look, I'd vote for that giant flaccid dick. Mm -hmm. How can I get behind it? MAGA. Oh, MAGA. (laughs) Ashley, is is the the P-tape real? God, I hope so. Will you tell us the- um, Honestly, so when, when I first heard about it, uh, however long ago that was, 10 years ago, it seemed... Wait, ten, wait. I mean, honestly, when was the first time you heard uh, of it? Like, cause you're- I mean, when, when BuzzFeed uh, released that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was, I, for a second, I got excited that there had been no, something no. on the wind to report or no, something before. <laughs> a, a metaphorical 10, 10 years ago. Okay, uh, great. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, it seemed like bullshit because... It was insane, but then we started to slowly realize that we live in a nightmare where the worst possible outcome is almost certainly the one that is the real one. And uh, so, so I mean, the more that happens and the more that other aspects of the memo get verified, I feel fairly confident that there is some sort of video out there that does exist because it would be preposterous to think that there isn't. Uh, based on what we know about him, I hope to God it is him instructing two Russian prostitutes to urinate on the bed Obama slept in. Uh, I also wouldn't be surprised if it was just, I mean, d- during the election, I thought a lot about what is the one thing that could actually bring him down and force him to uh, step out of the race. And I still believe that that would be a video presented to the public of him being entirely naked because he is a wildly uh, uh, like embarrassed and extremely self-conscious of his body in a way that I don't know that he is about anything else. And I think that's the one thing that could do it. Uh, I'm going <laughs> att- I'm, I'm to attempt to steer the m- mind picture in my head away from that. And exactly. Towards- can we start? Towards a slightly back? more palpable <laughs> image, which is uh, back when uh, Bucker was still around, you mm-hmm. did a piece that was entitled, Is Donald Trump's Hair a $60,000 Weave? Yes. A Gawker Investigation. Right. Well, um, so actually what I learned maybe a few months after that, that I uh, never reported, was that... Um, so what actually happened is he saw this doctor for a few years and then uh, this person, Edward Avari, uh, supposedly, allegedly may have been arrested or he was somewhere where he could not make rent payments for a number of months. And uh, Donald Trump ultimately confiscated um, like millions of dollars worth of antique furniture. And then they completely broke ties and never spoke again. So this is his this is his weave doctor. Right, right. Allegedly. Allegedly. And uh and so yeah, so that would have been maybe I think around the mid aughts a little after that and uh that yeah, so it so this this weave situation would have lasted for maybe like 3 or 4 years. Hmm. Mhm. And what 
what in investigating his hair since have you what is your current theory on his head uh so in one of the books that uh came out about him i'm actually looking at it right now it's lost tycoon by harry hurt it was uh published in 1990 i believe uh it, it includes a testimony from Ivana, his first wife, where she discusses the fact that he had a, a scalp reduction surgery. Mm. And actually, in one of the videos of him, the most recent one, I think, where it kind of looks like it's like a parting of the Red Sea situation. Mm -hmm. uh, if you zoom in super closely to a scalp, there's like a scar that kind of in the shape of a cross that is exactly where a scalp reduction scar would be. And it looks exactly like a scalp reduction scar would look. And, uh, and so what they sort of did in the surgery that I think he may have had is they cut out a section of hair from the back of your head and basically sew it uh, onto the top of your forehead. So you can grow hair out from there that can then like come back and cover the rest of your head, which would also explain why that hair seems to be growing in a weird and uncertain direction because it's been reversed from where it should be, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that's what we're looking at. What do you, wow. what do you that's do amazing. immediately after you have like literally pulled the like CSI enhance, enhance, like moment into the uh -huh. back of his head until you can see a cross shaped scar do you like get a big glass uh, of water? Like, mean, how do you even hearing it is hard to hear? <laughs> it. I mean, I, I mean, it's it's horrifying to look at, and hair in general, for whatever reason, makes me uncomfortable, and uh, it's deeply upsetting. But I mean, my response to that is to pitch my editor something on it so I can expel it from whatever whatever wherever it's resting inside of me but uh yeah i'm fascinated by gross things so trump is a uh is a rich source where do you think he does most of his tweeting <laughs> god it's, it scares me to think uh i mean he's he said he's tweeted from bed which is a terrible image uh i would be shocked if he doesn't tweet on the toilet uh mostly because that is probably one of the few places his aides and uh, whoever else he has around him can't get at him. Uh, I mean, it seems like he does it a lot uh, at Mar-a-Lago. He's been tweeting because he's not been allowed today. to golf this weekend. Uh, yeah, until today. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it seems like he does it in his personal quarters. Personal quarters. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice way to put it. Uh, can we just go back to the P-tape for one second? Because I just Please. really want to drill down a little bit. Um, I have thought about this a lot and what it means. But uh, I, you see, uh, I'm wondering if you have a personal vision mm -hmm. for what it would look like. Yes, I absolutely. I 100% do. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've thought about this a lot. Um, in my head, what, if it's as it is described in the memo, it he is fully dressed. He is wearing a suit tie. He has not removed a single article of clothing. If anything, he's maybe wearing a jacket. Uh, he these has two uh, Russian prostitutes who are naked, and uh, he speaks to them. Uh, but while they are not on the bed, I imagine him pointing to the bed. And then I imagine him sitting there, uh, maybe smiling, but otherwise saying nothing as they get up there and urinate on the bed. That is my vision of it. Oh, I see. Mine is a lot more, um, a lot more detailed. There's a lot more nudity. There are candles. There are vanilla scented candles. <laughs> I've talked Dan through it, and he's he's not okay. So I'm not going to do that again. It's he's. <laughs> My main vision of it, I have a lot of, of like, I think a lot about how the quality, like, it's going to be uh -huh. up in a corner, you know, like, right. a, like a security cam at a convenience store, like, you know, that kind of blue gray night vision type mm -hmm. thing. 
That's where I focus. I try to not focus on what I would see, but I really, the texture of it is really what, where I, know, I the go. The thought of him standing there fully dressed and just like silent and clearly just uh, this like satisfaction over him is like more upsetting to me than like the idea of him engaging in sex with these women. It Because the thing is, I mean, he is a germaphobe. Like I don't think he himself would engage with the pee. I think that he would like to stay away from it, but I think he would enjoy observing it happen. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we'll find out one day. In your studies in Mar-a-Lago, what, what has been your, like, um, do you have any major takeaways of what Mar-a-Lago is like? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, se- it seems like hell. It's, uh, it's full. I mean, based on what I've seen from people who either – tag themselves at Mar-a-Lago or take photos there uh it's all uh obscenely wealthy real estate agents or women who live on yachts for some reason who uh only seem to go there when they know Trump is going to be there and uh it's for him it's I mean it is the most incredible place he could imagine because every time he shows up there there'll be videos of people either chanting USA or chanting Trump and just like clamoring to touch him or be near him. And the, the, the satisfaction, you know, he gets from that is, is like overwhelmingly gross. And it just, yeah, it seems awful. And the, cause there was a thing like the, the caviar thing with like plastic mm-hmm. spoons and the caviar, you know, and things oh, yeah. like that. Do you think that it's like, good service there or oh i mean the food that the photos they take of the food is consistently awful uh one thing i've wanted to do for a while is just collect all of it in like one big post of just like the best of mar-a-lago cuisine because all of it looks <gasps> like yes garbage. please i mean it's all just like miscolored and everything's very wet for some reason when it shouldn't be and uh it's, it's there's like weird colors of liquid that don't uh correlate to any like food you could think of it's i mean the it it seems like it takes a lot of effort to make things as gross as they look which is fascinating to me i would love to watch them at work just to see what they're actually doing because a lot of it doesn't seem like it should be possible if you're trying to make something look good i have a very exciting idea if you do that you Uh should team up with helen rosner who is a food critic at the New Yorker and a friend of ours who's been on this podcast several times. And the two, you collect all the stuff up and she can then give you a food analysis. And together you could create the single greatest Mar-a-Lago food article of all time. (laughs) That's actually a fantastic idea. That's great. I actually might do that. Yes. uh, She has helped to, the, the same way that you are able to help untangle Trump via social media, she has been able to untangle him via the foods that go into his mouth in a truly remarkable way on this podcast. Yeah, study right. his food, yeah. yeah. We, we obsessively study his food, and our conspiracy walls are filled with his food, and it's um, uh, the various ground beef and sweet tomato concoctions are basically mm-hmm. the center of the web. So Yeah, I mean, he, he loves his mother's meatloaf. Oh, yeah. he loves his mother's meatloaf. <laughs> he does. He does. You mentioned, oh boy. you mentioned earlier that if you want to go out, you leave your phone at home. And I mean, I am acutely aware of the drag that the last now more than, well, more than 12 months has had on me, right? And like, mm-hmm. how, like, okay, there's one thing to like go away to, you know, go see a movie or something yeah like have you can you give yourself a, a real break do you take time are you able to <laughs> remove yourself from this and somehow recharge a battery that has to be crazy ass depleted uh-huh. uh i mean there's been a few times where i've either gone on vacation because my editor has forced me to or i have uh tried to take like a Twitter break for a week where I will give a trusted friend my password so they can then change my password so I actually don't have access <laughs> because mm-hmm. I don't have any self-control uh and when I'm completely when, when I know I do not have the option I can usually like put it out of my mind although 
I do have a, I did cheat a little bit because I have a separate account for all the people that have blocked me that I use to keep an eye on them, which uh, is bad because then I only have access to the very worst part of it. But uh, I mean, honestly, at this point, I don't remember what it was like before this, which is probably a terrible thing and that I should talk to my therapist about. But uh, it's, I'm still not in a sanitarium. So that's something. Well, um, <laughs> how, what do you do? I mean, how do you, how do you, do you get, away, I mean, how do you get away at all? What are your coping mechanisms? We often ask people about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, really just like trying to literally leave my apartment without my phone at all, because if, yeah, if I don't have it, then I don't feel tempted to look at it, which is even just for an hour, it is helpful because then when I sort of come back to Twitter and 10 million things have happened, it's a lot easier to sort of just be like, I don't have the energy to like figure out what's going on right now and walk away from that. So uh, yeah, I mean, just sort of like days where I am less invested is helpful. But I mean, other than that, I am not the correct person to ask about how to cope because I have not. Uh, Ashley, thank you so, so much. This has been uh, thank you. great Amazing. and also sort of gross, but mostly great. Yeah. Uh, happy to help. Dan, that was... I loved that. <sighs> like, I really loved I that. worry a lot about her mental health in the long run. That is a that she, that I is work. subjecting yourself to the full fucking blast furnace. But boy, she does it well. Her candle burns at both yeah. ends. It will not last the night. But oh, her friends and oh, her foes. It gives a lovely light. That was that That's was poetry. incredible. That was yeah. Man. You're welcome, man. You are the author <laughs> of the podcast. You see Look at that. That's right. I am the author yeah. of the podcast. You're the no, author. You wrote no, a book. Do it as a sonnet. I'm. That's Edna Saint Vincent Millay. I don't have to change it to anything. Oh, see, I don't know anything. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, I know. It is a thing that I don't know anything. That Blue is apron. definitely a thing. It's poetry. Ah, boy. There was a Dan. moment in that interview where I had a I had a fleeting little bit of empathy for Don Trump Jr., but that's gone. That's oh, that can't happen. Yeah, I I grabbed that little bit out of my heart and just lit it on fire. It's not a smart family. No, they're not. You know, a lot of articles, a lot of articles popping up. Like we've noticed, many people are stressed and unhappy. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Oh, Dan, the other day, I had the t. You ever see the TV? You ever put on the TV? I occasionally. No, it was like a. It was a commercial for like chewy, like relaxation vitamins. I don't know Whoa. what vitamin it is, but it was literally a wall of things like fake news. Like it was basically a wall that was like of picture images that were like not saying, but is Trump fucking with your brain? Wow. Chew these vitamins and you'll be able to sleep. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. For like a big vitamin brand. Holy cow. I mean, it was like saying it, but not saying it. Yeah. Oh. I was like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's there. Good. Good time to get into therapy. And man, I just restarted therapy, Maureen. It is great. I'm glad to hear it. I am glad to hear it. I am super glad to hear it. My, I, I had this therapist at this place, and she left. And uh, at the same time that she left the place, I went on a long, like a multi-week was gone. And when I came back, it just I didn't get it going again. And then I tried to get it going again, but I never clicked. And finally, uh, literally at three in the morning a few weeks ago, I Google searched her name. And I found where she now does her her new practice. And I sent her a note and I went in that Friday and I was like, this is the best. That's great. It is great. It is great. I highly recommend it, everyone. These are the things we recommend this week. Therapy. Yeah. Candles. Sure. Blue Apron. No. Reading. Yes. Those are the things we recommend. Yeah. Those well, four things. Three of the four. Three of the four. 
Three of the four says who endorsed. All right, but I do think reading's still a good idea. Reading is a great idea. Yeah. The other one, not as good an idea. Therapy? No, therapy's good. Candles? Anyway, You're the Maureen, one selling the candles. I just like that somehow, somehow, Maureen, the world has gone in such a strange direction that I now sell candles. I think we're about five months away from you opening up a seaside like curio shop, like one of those shops that tells like signs like Oh, I'd do that in a life, heartbeat. Life's a beach and yep. no shoes here and you I'm know, in. inspirational phrases on a on a cube kind of thing. Sounds wonderful. Yeah, I love I'm in. yeah. Just some inspirational wall art and yeah. ceramic flip flop curios and saltwater taffy and there's there's Dan behind the counter with his row, row of candles like hey welcome to um uh Dan's uh, house of stuff Dan's house of stuff yep it's perfect you did it you nailed it yep man you are the writer mhm Dan's house of stuff guess what Maureen our theme music for says who podcast is performed by Ted Leo, often frequenter of Dan's House of Stuff. And our logo is designed by Darth. Darth loves Dan's, ho- Dan's House of Stuff. Yep. Darth just came into Dan's House of Stuff last week and bought uh, a little uh, hand-blown glass with uh, colored sand inside it. Uh, contact us at Says Who Podcast on Twitter. Join the discussion on Facebook at Theater School Dan slash groups slash says Whovians. It's a hot time in there. It is a hot time in there. It is. It's a hot time in there. Email at hey, H-E-Y, hey, hey, at sayswhopodcast.com. Yeah, yeah. We're just some good old, good old, come on down to hey. Come on down to Dan's house of stuff. Yeah. Our Facebook group is moderated by Janice Dillard. Yeah, it is. And it's... you can join us on March 7th for our next episode. I said oops because I hit the I hit a button on my computer and everything went. All right. I went and it got it went all whoopsie in, in the pants. Whoopsie in the pants. It's not the same as before. No. Now I know it's coming. Trump has- yeah, I know. You know that there's some thunderous stuff that happens in those pants, though, Dan. I, yeah. A lot of gas, not a lot of action. Mm-hmm. That's my theory. Like a lot. He's got some Trumpy thunder pants yeah. on. Yeah. A lot of gas. A lot of gas making him upset. <sighs> I, I got to get that image out of my head now. Yeah, well, from from where are you recording from? Dan's House of Stuff? From Dan's House of Stuff, I'm Dan Sinker. And from Dan House of Stuff, Dan's House of... From Dan's... Oh, you nailed it. From Dan, oh, you're good. From you don't even need to repeat it. You did that. From Dan's House of Dan, I'm Dan Johnson. You, man, you are the writer. I didn't say I could speak. That's true. That's correct. Blue Apron. I never said I could speak. Boom! It's in the news. You gotta let me do it. 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 It's in the news. It's in the news. Blue Apron. It's in the news. Ah.